Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, on a very balmy day in Michigan. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me, please? I want to read two places. One is in Ecclesiastes. The other is in uh, 1 John chapter 5. Ecclesiastes says, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Here's 1 John 5 and 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. Two verses later in verse eight, it says, there are three that witness in the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. Now there are lots of examples of trios in the Bible, but my lesson today, I wanna talk about John's threefold cord. John's threefold cord. God bless you, you may be seated. This is Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 17. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou should go. There are a lot of third generation Pentecostals in this church. And... um, headed for the fourth generation. We even have some of those. Some are already in it. There's a a path that generational Christianity seems to follow, and it goes like this. The first generation, the people that in the family that first made a covenant with God, they're... they're, um, Those people are God-centered. That's the nucleus. That's the core of their life. But when you deal with the second generation, it's not uncommon that though the children of that first generation, uh, their commitment to the Lord is not God-centered. It's parent-centered. And... uh, too often, when you get to the third generation, it's self-centered. The originals really made an effort to keep their lives clean and undefiled. The second do it many times because their parents taught them, not necessarily because they arrived at those convictions on their own. It's kind of like uh, consecration by proxy indirect dedication and they'll do it because of parental guidance but not because of godly conviction a lot of things are done simply out of habit this is what we do third generation many times is characterized by maintenance and um, rationalization They will do it as long as it doesn't interfere with their personal plans or goals. 
because they're dedicated to self, church just becomes another activity. And uh, they'll keep coming as long as the youth programs uh, interest them or the adult activities or the events are pleasurable and they seem profitable with their personal goals. But when any of these things don't suit them, it becomes a test of the quality of the church they are attending. I'll come to church as long as it doesn't interfere with the family. I'll contribute my money as long as it won't take away from my personal ambition. Third generation are identified with phrases like this. Um, Well, to me, or that was in the old days, this is a different time now, or in my opinion, this is what I think, or I personally don't see anything wrong with that, or we need to be more culturally relevant. Activities that once were classified as wrong are many times now considered too narrow or restrictive. Soon, salvation itself gets rationalized. And because God is love, he's sure not going to judge anybody. I remind you that the Bible says there are wheat and tares, good fish and bad fish, wise virgins and foolish ones, sheep and goats, blessed and cursed, holy and profane, pearls and pigs. Please listen to this again. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit. Ladies and gentlemen, profit is not what you get. Profit is what you get to keep. There's an unwritten rule among contractors. We have a lot of business people in this church. This is the way it goes. When you bid a job, you set aside one-third of that job just for the materials that you're going to need to do the job. And then the second third is set aside to pay your, your employees, your laborers, to get that accomplished. And the third is the profit margin. One-third material, one-third labor, one-third profit. Listen to this verse in the book of Mark. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark is saying there's no profit margin. And I'll tell you why. Because you can't keep it. You can't keep it. Stay in the church. The, 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 The world only wanted the prodigal as long as he had his father's stuff. But uh, it wasn't his, it came from his father. And when the stuff was gone, they no longer wanted him. Exodus and Deuteronomy tell the story about the servant. That when a servant came into your home, he would work for six years. But after six years, he had to make a choice. Is he going to stay or is he going to go? There's an interesting verse in the book of Revelation. It says, behold, 
I have set before you an open door. When you study Exodus and Deuteronomy and it talks about the servant, it said that the master would bring him to the door of the house and he would open that door and he would basically say, you can go or you can stay. What's your decision? If the servant says, I love my master and I want to stay, it said he would put his ear against the door jam and he would take an awe. He would take a metal rod and he would drill a hole in that servant's ear. It was a physical mark. I love my master. I'm staying with that house. If, however, the servant chose to leave, I was very clear. It said, don't, don't just throw him out. Be kind as he goes. Remember, you were a slave also in Egypt. But there's, there's a strong warning in these verses. It said, if when he came to the father's house and he got a wife, and that wife gave him children. The wife and the children stay in the father's house. He can't take them with him. There's an analogy there to serving God. You want to leave the church? No one's going to throw anybody out. However, understand when you go, there are some things that don't go with you. There are some things that stay in the Father's house. You can't take them with you on your journey into the world. I, uh, I learned something after 40 years of pastoring that sin's going to take you further than you ever thought you would go. And it's going to keep you longer than you ever thought you would stay. And it's going to cost you more than you ever expected it to cost. Go in the world. Gain. Gain. Get the whole world. But that's what you get. Not just the piece of it that you wanted, but everything else that comes with that world. Lost children, lost marriages, lost hope, and a lost heaven. The question, ladies and gentlemen, is what are we going to have when it's all over? Don't tell me what you've done. I want to know what are you going to have left after it's done. Don't tell me what you got paid. I want to know what the profit margin is. I want to know what's left over after all the bills are paid. That's why I've been on this kick for a while. If you're not going to serve the Lord and probably preaching to the choir here because you wouldn't even be in church if you weren't interested in serving the Lord. But there's a lot of people that watch this thing all over the country and places around the world. A man called me yesterday from Georgia and he said, all of these men that I'm with right now are talking about something that you did weeks ago called bear sheep and I said the thing about Genesis and they said they were all said have you heard that have you heard that I said would you please tell them cheapskate bums to send me an offering <laughs> royalty check finders fee whatever 
<laughs> There's a lot of people that watch this thing online. Some of you that are watching right now, serving the Lord, some of you may be in the valley of decision. But understand this right now, if you're not going to serve the Lord, you better enjoy this world because this is it. This is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get right here. But if you're serving the Lord and you're having a difficult day, you need to take, take heart because this is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. When Esther was trying to become queen, it said she had to go through six months of bitter herbs and six months of sweet-smelling spices. Some of you are into bitter herbs right now, but I promise you, the good spices are coming. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. My initials are H-E, H-E Huffman, Harold Eugene Huffman. I call Ashley H-E because it's half empty Huffman. I try to be a positive preacher. Uh, I, you know, to me, the glass is half full, but uh, to Ashley, glass is half empty. And uh, she's fussing right now somewhere in this crowd, I'm sure. I was talking with Kelly Gorham yesterday. He, like me, lives with a lot of women. We just need a little guy time. I said, Kelly, I got my mom, I got my wife, I got my daughter. He said, oh man, he said, I took Ashley to church Friday night. He said, she didn't stop. He said, Abby's in the back seat with them headphones on her ears. And I'm going, you want to kind of jump in this conversation every now and then, take them headphones off your ears? Hmm. He said, Ashley is full disclosure, Pastor. <laughs> and, uh, but I guess I'm half empty as well. I'm just like Ashley today when it comes to this world. When you look at it from this perspective of the scripture for being in the church, the glass is half full. But if you're not going to serve the Lord, it's half empty. It ain't going to get better. It's getting bad and it's going to get worse. Because just as much as the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Of the increase of their government and sorrow, there will be no end. It's just going to keep exponentially growing. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the profit margin? Because in 3 John verse 2, it said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He is saying, I want you to use your soul as the gauge to measure real prosperity. Paul is, is not saying he was against us having stuff. Fine, get stuff. Just don't let stuff have you, okay? Amen. Don't hold stuff like this. Hold stuff like that. The Lord gives, that's, that's an easy verse to sing, but you gotta, you gotta be able to sing the second verse to that song. And the Lord takes away, and then you gotta be able to sing the chorus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Whether he's given or taken, whether it's coming or going. I'm still going to bless him in 
all things give thanks. It doesn't say for, but in all things. I saw a pastor this week on the internet. They all made fun of him because the TV people were there and his house was on fire behind him. And he said, the Lord's blessing my life right now. Right now. They all criticized him, said he was crazy. But I didn't think he was crazy at all. I understood exactly what he's saying. Because all things work together for good. To them that love the Lord and watch who, it doesn't just say called, it said who are the called according to the purpose. We're not just called, we're the called. That's a very specific group of people. And he was saying, don't use the acquisition of things from this world as your yardstick to measure how well you're doing. Your physical prosperity should be measured against the prosperity of your soul. Look at my new car. Look at my new house. Look at my new boyfriend, my new girlfriend. Look at my new clothes, my new job. That's not all of it. There needs to be another question. Look at my new car. Nice. How's your soul doing? Look at my nice house. Great. How's your soul doing? Did you hear I got a new relationship in my life? Great. How's your soul doing? Profit. What are you going to keep when it's all over? When your life's done, every, every, every tombstone's got something in common. The names are different. The dates are different. But there's one thing I've seen on every tombstone I've ever It's that hyphen. That little mark between that year they were born and the year they died. When that's all over, ladies and gentlemen, what are you going to get to keep? That's why the Bible talks about the blessed hope and soon appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You read the writings of Paul. There's this hope, this hope that makes you not ashamed. Amen. You got that because I know about the labor and I know about... Amen, the, the margins, but I'm, exp- I'm looking forward to some profit here, to some benefit in this. Look at the example of Israel. Passover, it says, was meant to be eaten in haste. Here, here's Exodus 12. And thus you shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. There's two reasons why you have to eat it in haste. Number one, they had that blood on their house. That angel saw that blood. That angel passed over. The Bible said it was a mixed multitude that came out of Egypt. If you study the Old Testament, it'll tell you what that means. There were three groups of people that came out of the exodus we always think it was all Jews, but uh, that's, that's, that's not accurate. It wasn't just all Israelites that came out of Egypt. There were Egyptians that were slaves as well. And there was another large group of people that were all basically poured into one pot called the stranger. If you study the Old Testament, it took three generations for an Egyptian to be proselyte into the Jewish faith. But it took a stranger 10 generations to truly become a full-blooded Jew 
and accepted with all the responsibilities and the rights of that religion. You're slaves. All of a sudden, I invite my Egyptian co worker. Why don't you come to the house? Going to have lamb chops tonight. That's a pretty nice meal for a slave. Absolutely, I'll be there. All of a sudden, I said, why don't you come about 10 o'clock? That's pretty late, isn't it? Yeah, why don't you come at 10? Takes a while to get all that ready. Hey, good meal. I'm not going to pass that up. So from 10 to the 11, all of a sudden we're having this great meal, lamb. You know, Harold, it's 11 o'clock. We got a long day ahead of us tomorrow. We got to keep building them pyramids, you know. Mixing that mud and that straw. My legs are still sore from the last couple weeks. I didn't quite make my quota last week. I got a lot of pressure on me. I, I need to get some. Uh, it's, it's after 11. Uh, hey, do you think the Lions are going to win Sunday? You know, they're 0 and 8. You think they can do it again? You really think they can lose the whole season like they did before? I was, I was in my second home this week. Where are you, Harold? I tell Renee, I'm at our second home, Home Depot. That's my second home. I was talking to a guy there and I said, do you think the Lions are going to win this week? And he looked at me and said, just wait till next year. I said, I've been here since 1988, and that's all I've heard. You wait till next year. 33 years of waiting for next year. That's why we don't want this church to be the Detroit Lions of the apostolic movement. You just wait till next year. No, I want something to happen now. I don't want to always keep pushing it off. Barry, I don't, he was in the first service. I, I don't know if he was coming to the second. Are you here, Barry? He, he was here at the first service. Ron took Barry hunting a couple weeks ago. He's hooked bad. Bought a crossbow. First time he's ever in a tree. First time he ever sees a deer. First time he ever shoots at a deer. He gets the deer. He's done. It's like tennis. Game, set, match. So he's crazy about hunting right now. I said, did you enjoy sitting in that tree? I said, it's not just about shooting an animal. He said, I saw stuff and heard stuff I never heard in my life. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I heard this sound. I, I, I didn't know what it was. He said, it was a big bird flying through the woods and the wind was whistling through its wings. And he said, it was behind me and I just heard this. I didn't know what that was. I'd never heard that before. I don't know if that's what it was, you know. All of a sudden it's 10 to midnight. Harold, I gotta go. I don't know if the lines are gonna win or lose, but I gotta get some sleep. Hey, you know deer season's coming in this week. You gonna go deer hunting? I got, I got a gun you could borrow. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just buying time here because I know midnight's important, see? 
And all of a sudden at midnight, the Bible said the death angel came. Ezekiel said it's got wings. Underneath the wings are the hands of a man. That's what it says in Ezekiel. I don't know if it was the wind whistling through those pinions. I don't know what, it, I don't know what they heard. It does say, and that whale went through all the land of Egypt. Because the firstborn died. People always think that's babies. No, no, you can't limit that to babies. Because if that baby's daddy was a firstborn son, he died. And if his dad was still alive, grandpa died too. There were lots of houses in Egypt that suffered multiple deaths. I leave here today, Ashley and I going home in the truck, go too fast coming out of here, hit an icy patch, hit a car, flip over, chores are jammed, gas is running out of the tank. I'm frantically trying to get her and I out of that truck, can't get out. All of a sudden, one of the good men of this church come up there and kick that windshield out and drag my daughter and I out of that truck, get 15 feet away and the thing blows up. Thank you, brother, for saving us. But saved from what? Because the word saved is a very elastic word. Saved from, you know, stuff in the past. Saved from stuff in the future. I am saved. I was saved. I am being saved. Get 15 feet away from the truck and the thing blows up. Thank you, brother, for saving me. Didn't save me from the IRS. Come April the 15th, them dudes are going to be on my doorstep again. Didn't save me from the flu. Saved from what? This is what you have to understand. You got to eat that thing quick. Why? Because Pharaoh's going to get over the trauma of the death in his house and he's going to blame it on you. He knows who the culprit is. He knows why that judgment's come on his land. That's that same bunch been pestering him for weeks now. Same people that gave him all the flies and all the frogs and all them locusts and everything else. Now the kids are dead. Dads are dead. Grandpas are dead. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The blood's powerful, but the blood is limited. If you stayed in that blood-covered house too long, Pharaoh's going to get over the trauma of the loss in his family, and he's going to kill you graveyard dead in that blood-covered house. you got to eat it quick. Why? Because it says you've got to date with the water. You have destiny with the Red Sea. You eat that thing with your clothes on, your boots on, your packs on your back, staffs in your hand. You don't eat that and put on your jammies and go to bed. There's a series here. There's a process here. This is important what's going on. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. And what you have to understand is if you repent, that's magnificent. But don't stay at repentance too long. Get to the water. Get to the water. Because you can die in repentance. You can die having the blood on your life. You can die having experienced what people call accepting Jesus as your personal savior. Repentance is an amazing experience. John, John preached that. Jesus said, don't, don't, don't ever diminish that. Amen. 
He that, you know, John preached repentance, but he that is least in the kingdom is greater than he. I don't, don't, don't. The Bible said angels rejoice over somebody that repents and we ought to rejoice right along with them. But the reason they rejoice is because repentance is not an end in itself. Angels understand if it's true repentance, you're going to the water. And you're not just going to stay in that water. You're going to come out of that water because that water is supposed to be a highway and not just a grave. You come up, amen, to walk in newness of life. I wish I, I should have thought enough to show the video. Wayne, Dwayne, you know, always been Dwayne West to me, but he's not Dwayne West. That's not his real name. His real name's Paul. And when him and Brother Ward were in Africa, if you were here Monday, you heard this, but if you weren't at prayer meeting Monday, let me tell you what he taught us. That they had a Muslim man filled with the Holy Ghost. They said, now we got to take you and baptize you. But as he's standing in that water, that pastor said, from this day forward, you will never be known by your Muslim name. Because when you become a Muslim, you have to change your name. You know, that's why Kareem Abdul-Jabbar used to be Lou Alcindor. And it's it, it, on and on you can go. It's just Cassius Clay became Muhammad Ali. He's standing in the water and he said, you're no longer going to be known by your Muslim name. When you come out of this water, you shall be Timothy because you were preached to by the apostle Paul. <laughs> and just as Paul in the Bible had a Timothy, Paul West preached for us today. And that's why you're in the water because of his ministry. So we're gonna call you a, a disciple of the apostle Paul. From this day forward, you're Timothy. You rise to walk in newness of life. This is a powerful tool and a powerful concept because it says when they came out of that water, he took not away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. God literally manifested his presence when they came out of the Red Sea and had this cloud that would give them shade by day, give them heat by night. It was their GPS. It was their compass. It literally would lead them and guide them for the next 40 years. This is very, very important that you understand that you have the blood and then you go to the water and then you have the manifestation of the spirit. Look at the tabernacle of Moses. If you would come into the outer court, you would see this giant box. And, 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 and it was the largest piece of furniture in the tabernacle of Moses. It's, 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 it's the altar of sacrifice, brazen altar of sacrifice. Some of you have been deer hunting in the last couple weeks. Some of you will go tomorrow morning. This is what's gonna happen. I used to have them little gloves, you know. I'd get them cheap gloves at the drugstore or, or, or somewhere else, you know. Then I got the gauntlets that came all the way up. I've had the little gloves, I've had the gauntlets, I've had pretty much everything you could possibly think of to dress a deer over the years, but I learned this, I don't care what you put on, you're gonna get blood on you somewhere. And when those priests sacrificed those animals at that altar, they would take that blood to the next piece of furniture, which was the laver. Looked like a big bird bath. Water in the bottom, water on top. The stem that joined the two together, the Bible said the women donated their mirrors. That's why the Bible said, when you look into the perfect law of liberty 
and go your way and forgetteth what manner of man you were. What profit is there? It's talking about the, that while the word is preached to you, it ought to be like a mirror. You ought to be able to see yourself in the word. Where are you? Where have you been? Where are you going? That's what this thing is all about. And they would have that blood on their hands and feet splashed and sprayed from that sacrifice. And their washing and that blood and that water would mingle together. And then he would go into that tent, which was holy and, and the holiest of holies. The, literally the presence of God would manifest. Thus you have the word Shekinah, which means the shining. It's the same principle. It's the same policy. It's, 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 it's the same example from the Passover that you have the blood at the altar and then you have the water and then you have the spirit. It keeps happening again and again and again. Where does all the confusion come from in Christianity? I think there are two camps. I think there's one camp that's, that's not camping. They built their house at the cross. The cross is everything. If you want to get baptized, that's fine, but you don't have to get baptized. If you, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, that's great, but you don't have to have that. That's an added blessing. The cross does it all. So we have a group that's built their whole world on the cross. And then you have Pentecost that set up their house at Acts chapter two. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, well, then, then you're never going to be saved. It's like, if it doesn't come out of my stack, it's not smoke. You, 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 you got to understand we have to have them both. We got to have the cross and we have to have Pentecost. Why? Because they both provide something very, very important. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, don't be amazed that I'm telling you, you must be born again of water and of spirit, water and of spirit. The Bible said in Hebrews that we need to understand the doctrine of baptisms, plural. Doctism, baptisms, plural. That's why in John 14, it says, ye in me and I in you. Because when you're baptized in water in the name of Jesus, you are baptized into him. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he is baptized into you. One is external, the other's internal. I'm in him. He's in me. That's very powerful, ladies and gentlemen. Don't ever tell, let anybody tell you baptism is not important. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not important. That all you need is to repent. No, 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 no. Jesus said, don't be amazed. I'm telling you, you must be born of water and spirit. So you go back to the beginning and you ask this simple question. Where did the water come from? It says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Everything else was either created or formed. My question is, what about the water? Where did that come from? It's teaching us a lesson. From the very beginning, there was always water and spirit. And since he declared the end from the beginning, every great beginning always starts with water and spirit. Hallelujah. It was not just a man. It was a spirit-filled man that said, fill those pots with water. And when they poured it out, the water had become wine. And the governor of the feast said, usually they, 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 they don't give the good stuff now. Usually the good stuff is given at another time. You, you, you've saved the very best till last. That, that, 
that, that, that, that was his concept. But when you read the next verse, it said this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. Yes, I believe we're gonna have a magnificent end. All you gotta do is read the end of the book. We win. But let me tell you, we've got more than just a glorious end. We have an amazing beginning. This beginning of miracles. Jesus manifested his presence with that water and simple water became powerful wine. That's what happens at the beginning. When you're born again of water and spirit, that's just the beginning. It's the beginning of miracles starts with water and spirit. It's important. You see, one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. You read that Bible and there's only one legal liquid that can deal with sin. And for years I've said blood, but it's really not blood, it's sinless blood. There's only one legal liquid that can deal with sin and that's sinless blood. And John 4, 24 said, God is spirit. Luke 24 says, spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. Under the king, immortal, eternal, invisible. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son declared him. What does that mean? It means that the only legal liquid that can deal with sin is sinless blood. Since God has been spirit up until then, he can't redeem anyone. So God takes on flesh and that flesh has sinless blood in it. And that sinless blood is shed on the cross. And on that cross, he, he leaves. That's why it says in John 19 and 30, he said, it's finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. You read any of the others, read, read the other disciples there, the, the, the gospel of Mark and Matthew. And it's, 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 this is what it said. And when he had spoke again, he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. But John tells us what he said when the other said, he always said something else right before he died. And then he gave up the ghost. But John said and told us what were his last words. It's finished. I met a man years ago who was a scholar. And he told me that one of the best linguistic schools in the country is the University of Michigan. And one of the best linguistic libraries anywhere in the modern world is in the library of the University of Michigan. And because of his degree and his status, he was able to have access to that. He said they have all these, 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 these tax records from the time of Jesus, Brother Hoffman. And he said, when someone paid their taxes, even though it's Roman, they're writing in the Greek language. And on their tax records, when their taxes were paid in full, they wrote one word, telestai. And the word telestai is the very same word in the Greek language that's mentioned in the book of John, chapter 19 and verse 30. 
in our English Bible, it says, it is finished. But in the Greek language, it says, telestai, which means paid off, paid in full. You don't owe anything. <laughs> it's, it's been settled. Amen. When he died, God can't die. God was wrapped in flesh. He just left the house he was living in. That's why it says that he gave up the ghost and the soldier pierced his side with that spear. And it said out of the, out of the side didn't just come water, but water and blood. Jesus later resurrects three days later. This is what he said in Luke 20. You know, this is the last chapter of the book of Luke, chapter 24 and verse 49. And behold, I send the promise upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now, now there are several times in the Bible when Jesus said, I've got to go, I've got to go. And they were very upset when he said that. But, 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 but this is John 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Look at John 14. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost. What is he saying? He said, I got to leave. Remember John 7, Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all end with the same story. The resurrection of Jesus, he teaches for 40 days and then he leaves. We know that later John saw the glorified Christ in Revelation chapter one and Revelation chapter two. He's glorified after he left. Since Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John only take us to his departure and John 7, 39 said, Holy Ghost isn't gonna be given until he gets glorified. You obviously have to go to the very next book, which is the book of Acts. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, this is very important, but, 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 but watch this. Here's the end. This is the end of the last chapter of the book of Luke. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Watch last verse. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God and amen. In other words, they went to Jerusalem, not just to wait, but to worship while they waited. Hallelujah. They weren't just sitting around waiting for the Holy Ghost, but they're worshiping because that, that, that worship always precedes the glory. It always precedes the glory. And, 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 and that's why when you get to Acts 2, Holy Ghost was poured out. And, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a threefold cord. Something, one, one, one's good. But it said two have their reward for their labor. But three, when you can put three cords together, that, 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 that's not gonna break. You can apply that principle in many ways through the scripture. But I'm here to talk to you about the threefold cord that John taught us. That you gotta have some water, and you got to have some blood and you got to have some spirit. And when those three cords are woven together, it creates a bond, something that not only ties him to you, but you to him. This is an amazing experience, ladies and gentlemen, that you repent 
Just as the blood at the be- be- began at the lamb in Egypt, and then they went to the water and the cloud of the spirit. It's there again. We, we identify with the death of our Lord through repentance. We identify with his burial through our water baptism in his name. We identify with his resurrection by the infilling of the spirit. This is that threefold cord that you got to understand. You got to get that. Ladies and gentlemen, have you repented? If you haven't, you need to repent today. But if you've repented, don't just stay there and enjoy the euphoria of being, it's like going for Thanksgiving dinner back to your house after you've been estranged for 40 years. Repentance is, is, it's not just their father, but, but, but our father, which are the Lord is my shepherd. There's something very powerful that happens at repentance, but you can't stay at repentance. You got to do that quickly. Get that repentance done. Amen. Get to the water. Get to the water and don't just stay in that water. You'll drown. Come up out of that thing to walk in newness of life with the spirit of the Lord guiding you, directing you. This is pivotal. This is pivotal. I end with this. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. They're back in the locker room, taking the greaves off of their legs, the coats of mail off of their chest, hanging up their armor and their artillery. And they're just joking as soldiers seem to do. That guy said he was God in flesh. (laughs) But there's one of them there who remembered the earthquake and the eclipse of the sun. And he saw that man give up that spirit. And he saw that water and that blood come out of it. And he said, it was the son of God. It was the son of God. That witness, Jesus said, you'll be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all over the world. But John five and eight says, there are three that bear witness in the earth, the water, the blood, the spirit. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. How in the world do you access his name today? I'll give it to you quick. Leviticus 17 and 11 says, life of the flesh is in the blood. It's an Old Testament concept. It's not a New Testament concept. This is the New Testament fulfillment of that prophecy. It's in John 20 and 31. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life Not through his blood, but you may have life through his name. According to John 20 and 31, if you have the name, you have life. If you have life, based on Leviticus 17 and 11, you have the power of the blood. If you have the blood, based on Hebrews 9 and 22, you have remission. And if you have remission, things are washed away. But if you don't have the name, you don't have life. If you don't have life, you don't have blood. Without blood, there is no remission. Without remission, nothing's really changed. That's why it says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Last last chapter of the book of Matthew, he said, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. Right at the end of 28, 
Last chapter of the book of Mark. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. Cast out demons. Luke 24 and 47. And their repentance and remission. How do you get sins remitted? Through water baptism. Acts 2.38. So remission of sins is nothing more than a, than, than, than a synonym for water baptism. Amen. And that repentance and remission of sins or baptism should be preached in his name. Beginning at Jerusalem, which is exactly what they did. It's not the last chapter, but it's very close to the end that believing you might have life through his name. Every one of these men, remember at the end, Jesus talking about baptism and the name, baptism and the name, baptism and the name. Why? Because the blood is in the name. And when you get water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the blood and the water agree. Because you got to get blood and water. We can get you water, but but where are you going to get the blood from? The blood's in the name. That's why we baptize people in the name of Jesus. So now you got the water and the blood. Now we got to have the spirit. Why? You need all three cords woven together. Stand with me. Stand with me. In Jesus' name. Come with me around an altar. You're watching online. You pray with us right now. Amen. You may be fine. You may be, your walk with God may be intact and you're as, 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 as close to the Lord as you've ever been right now. Then you help pray with us for those that aren't. And if by chance this message is going out to someone and you know, you know in your heart, it's time to make some changes. You know in your heart, you can't just, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? It's time to make a difference and to make a change. So in this room and who knows wherever this message is going on right now, we're going to repent right now. All right? Bow your head. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you right now with an understanding in my heart. I've come here to repent today. I may have done it before, but I'm never going to stop because you said... A a broken and a contrite spirit you'll never despise. So when I want to make sure that I sense you and feel you, I know that all I have to do is legitimately repent, amen, and be broken before you. And I'll sense your presence in what I'm doing. Jesus, I come here today to apologize to you. I have thought things I should have never allowed to dwell in my brain. I have said words out of my mouth that were far beneath the dignity of someone who would ever even be considered a child of God. These hands have handled things and have been dirty. These feet have gone places they should have never gone. So for the places I've gone and should have never been, for the things I've handled and should have never touched, for the thoughts that lingered that should have never been there and led to the words that I should have never mouthed, I ask you today, God, to take a coal off of your altar and touch my mouth. Because I know if you can touch my vocabulary, it will not just end with my words, but will affect my mind, my heart, the origin, amen, the the, the real source. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Jesus, I'm asking you, 
destroy us. But I, I, I know he's fighting me and that ought to tell me that I'm on the road to something great. I'm, I'm, I'm near to something amazing. He wouldn't be fighting this hard and this strenuously if he wasn't anywhere. He's on the verge of defeat and he's on the edge of losing another man and another woman. I come here today to consecrate my life unto you, Lord. I want to hear you say, well done. You did good. You were faithful. You were a servant. I want to hear that, Lord. I want to please you with my life. I ask you, please, right now, from the bottom of my spirit, God, forgive me for words and thoughts, for the walk that I made, for what I effectively touched and handled. Oh, Jesus, cleanse me. Cleanse me right now. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? He that had clean hands and a pure heart. I want to walk up the hill, Lord. I want to get to Calvary. I want to get to Jerusalem. I want to be experiencing that thing, Lord. But I know that I'm never going to get there if I'm not willing to make the walk up the hill. If I'm not going to ever get to the top with dirty hands and a dirty mind. Jesus, heal me, wash me, hear my repentance and my contrition right now. Jesus, forgive me for what I said to my spouse, for what I did to my kids, for what I said to my mom, for what I said to my dad, for the example that I lived in front of others that I'm ashamed of right now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I'm asking you, God, to forgive me. Hallelujah. Now let's thank him together. Let's thank him together. Lord, I hear the whistling of the wind in the feathers. I hear the death angel passing over my house. I'm grateful for the blood that I've been able to be applied to my heart here right now. When I make a commitment to you, I'm going to repent quick. I'm not going to repent for the next six weeks. I'm not repenting for the next six months. I repented. Now I'm going to the water. I'm going to get to the water. The people have never been baptized in your name. And we make a commitment today. We're going to be baptized in your name. And then we're going to believe with faith that you're going to hear our concerted prayer. That they that come to God must believe that he is. And that he's rewarded them to diligently seek thee. Oh, Jesus, I've repented. Now I'm going to the water. And I'm going to get baptized in your name. And then I'm going to rise with faith and worship you while I'm waiting for the Holy Ghost. And if I'm dealing with somebody here, Lord, that's already been baptized in your name. And already been filled with your spirit. Then let the word, let the word wash them, Lord. We don't need to be water baptized again. But let the word wash us today, God. Amen. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself forth, washing by the water of the word. Oh, Jesus. And if I've been filled with the Spirit, I need to be renewed in the Spirit. I want to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. I don't want that thing to die. I don't want it to diminish. I want to feed that thing, Lord. There's little faith, there's faith, there's great faith, much faith. I want my faith to grow. I want my faith factor to grow, Lord. I want the understanding of what this preacher's talking about today. I want the profit margin. I want the profit margin. I know 
you're here. The death, burial, and resurrection, those materials are provided. Now I gotta put the time in. I gotta do the labor, Lord, because I know there's a payoff. I'm asking you, God, right now, let that understanding of profit be in our lives. I want to be a, a profitable servant. A profitable servant. Oh, Jesus. Father, there's a marriage in this room in trouble. Mend that marriage right now. Oh, God. Let that love be sparked in that man's heart again for that spouse. In the heart of that woman for that man. We made a vow for better or for worse. We said we wouldn't separate until death. We're gonna keep the vow, Lord. We're gonna keep the vow. I'm asking you, Lord, mend the home, mend the marriage. Amen. Someone here, Lord, in the valley of decision, I'm asking you, God, no sailor takes direction in a storm. He waits until the clouds are gone and he can see the stars. You're the star. You're the son of righteousness. You're the morning star. I'm asking you, God, right now to shine. Shine in our hearts. Amen. That we can get a true fix on where we are and where we need to go. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You know, I always thought Delilah cut Samson's hair. But I read that story again this week. Delilah, she didn't cut Samson's hair. Delilah was the greatest enemy that Samson ever, ever encountered. And I'm not gonna limit it just to a woman. Delilah could be a man for you, man. It could be lust for you, young man. It could be the wrong relationship for you, young lady. What's that? I, 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 I was in the store last week. Mattel today, Mattel today, great, largest toy manufacturer in the world. Mattel made a commitment. We're gonna make sure that your kids are gonna have all the toys that they need and that you wanna give them for Christmas. And because people are frightened about the supply chain, many people are buying their Christmas presents right now so that they won't be an empty shelf come Christmas. So I'm in the toy store last week and I saw Nerf guns. Wow, has Nerf guns changed? They don't just shoot one now. They, they got machine gun Nerf guns. You ever shot a Nerf gun? You ever get hurt, hit with a Nerf bullet? It's not painful. Let me explain something to you. The enemy of your soul doesn't deal in traffic and Nerf guns. This is the real deal. And he's gonna do everything he can to destroy you. Get it settled today. Settle the issue, quit blaming it on this person, that person. Nobody was more wrong than Jesus. And when he forgave, it opened up resurrection power to the world. Don't blame it on that person or that person. Deal with that. Settle that. Take the responsibility. My turn to change. My time to make a choice. Not blaming on my dad, my mom. Not blaming on this man, this woman. Not my boss. Not the school. Not doing anything. 
I realize that there's an enemy in my soul that wants me to trip up right now and I'm not going to do it. Be bound with a threefold cord. If you've never repented, we just did. If you've never been water baptized in the name of the Lord, be water baptized today. Never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit today. If you have gone through death, burial, and resurrection and you've done something stupid, then we just repented, okay? But that that water and that labor was more than just a one-time thing. They washed every time before they went into the house of God. It's a great picture, not a water baptism, but of the Word. Because the Bible said the washing of the water of the Word. Let the Word wash you today and be renewed in the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. I'll see you in prayer meeting tomorrow night. If I'm in town. Thank you for being here. God bless every one of you. God bless every one of you.